I want to tell you a story about a guy by the name of Simon Peter. And uh, Simon was a really good Jewish boy. He knew all the, he knew all the traditions, and he, he didn't associate with the Gentiles at all. He only played with his friends. He was really well behaved. One day he's praying, and uh, as he's praying, he sees this vision, and there's a sheet that comes down, and uh, supported by the four corners, uh, like God was holding it. And on that sheet, there's every kind of creeping animal, every bird of the air and beast of the field. And uh, the word of the Lord comes to him and says, kill and eat. And Peter says, no ways, I'm a good Jewish boy. I can't eat that. I'm not allowed to eat anything that's unclean and dirty. And uh, three times this comes along. Now, we know he's Jewish because if I was South African, we would have killed and eaten. I tell you what, you don't need to ask me twice. <laughs> that sounds like an opportunity for a barbecue, you know. But Peter, no, he, he knows the, the religious traditions because he's looking through life through these lenses that he's got on. See, these are the lenses of his upbringing. This is the, lens, the traditional lens that he's had. And he just says, no, Lord, I can't do that. Anyhow, so he, he's praying after that. And uh, as he's praying, trying to say, Lord, what is the meaning of this vision? The Holy Spirit says to him, there's going to be three guys knocking at the gate. I want you to go with them. There's the knock. So Peter goes down and, and uh, they say, please, would you come with us? So they stay the night and the next day off they go. And they go along to Cornelius's house. And there... When he meets Cornelius, he suddenly says these words. He says, I now can see, I now see that God is no respecter of persons. Now the Gentiles can receive Jesus too. And all of a sudden now, Peter starts to see life through new lenses. All of a sudden what was dark and, and looked all wrong in the past suddenly became right. And here salvation comes to Cornelius's house. I've got a question for you. Are you prepared to have Jesus change your lens this morning? It's not so much that your lens is wrong. It's just that he wants to improve your sight. Recently, someone I know, I won't mention her name, um, went to have her eyes tested. And when the doctor or the optometrist put on the new lenses, she said, oh my goodness, I didn't realize how much I was missing. I thought my eyes were okay. It's only when I put on the new lenses, my goodness, look how good handsome Wayne is. <laughs> Cornelius gets saved that day. You see, when I was looking through my old lenses, salvation meant this. Sin separates us from God. You can't go to heaven. You're going to burn in hell. Nothing wrong with what I just said. It's in the Bible. It's actually true. But you see, I was looking at those scriptures from a legalistic, judgmental view. But when I put on the loving lenses of Jesus, a relational lens, then I see this. God loves us so much. He wants to be part of your life. And He wants to bless you. So he, you know what He did? He sent Jesus and He gave Him to you totally free. And if you'll accept Him, He wants to walk with you every single day. I've just said the same two things, exactly the same. One from a very legalistic, doctrinal, dogmatic view. One from a love relationship view. Oh, miracles are happening. When someone gets these new lenses, it's a great miracle. You know, the Bible says, Therefore, if anyone now is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things have passed away. 
You see, when I didn't know Jesus, when I was unsaved, when I was a non-believer, I was just normal. I was me. I was alive. But now that I received Jesus, I have to take off my old nature, my bad, my wrong thinking and my carnality and things like that. And I, and I represent them to be Fred over here. And I say, Fred, I consider them to be dead. That's literally what I'm considering. I'm reckoning it to be dead. I'm not really dead. It's not, I'm not really dead, but I consider my flesh to be dead. That nature that used to make me do the things that I don't want to do, I consider it dead. So Fred, you're dead, and we celebrate being dead. And last week, we celebrated being dead. Please go and listen to the podcast. I don't have time to recap the whole thing this morning. But the scriptures carry on, you see. It says, I am in my Father, Jesus said, and you are in me, and I am in you. Jesus is in the Father, and I am now in Jesus. So if Jesus is in the Father and I'm in Jesus, then I'm in the Father as well. And then it says, and I'm in you. But if the Father's in Jesus, then the Father and Jesus is all in me. So we're totally intertwined into each other. Can you see that? Overlapping each other. You see, I'm no longer celebrating being dead. I'm now celebrating being alive in Him. It says, for in Him we live and move and have our being. Sometimes when I think uh, those words like oh, uh, Christ is in me, I think that I'm the, the cap, I'm the bottleneck, I'm, I'm the limiting factor. But I want you to listen to those words. In Him we live and move. How big is Jesus? If I get in Him, I've got so much growing space to do. No more is there any limit or any cap. Why? Because I'm in Him. It feels like a tiny little pea rattling around in a big box from Amazon. And you can hear it rattling around in there. And that's how I've got so much growth potential. Why? Because I'm living in Him. And Peter says this. He says, by His divine power, He has given us everything that we need to live a godly life. Everything. I love the the, the Passion Translation. It says, everything we could ever need for life and complete devotion to God has already been deposited into us by His divine power. We have everything, albeit in seed form. We have it. You see, I have joy in him. I'm not anxious like Fred. I have peace in him. I'm not angry like Fred. I have faith in him. I don't have fear like Fred. I have the mind of Christ and of wisdom. And I don't have one of foolishness and stupidity like Fred. Because I'm in him. And it's in seed form, and it's going to grow, and it's going to grow. In Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, it says, As we look at Jesus, I'm looking at him because I'm in him, I am being transformed from one level of glory to the next. So when I need a little bit of peace, I, I might only have a little bit, but I start looking at Jesus, my peace grows, and it grows from one level to the next level, to the next level, to the next level. It is not referring to us growing from... Death state to life state. This is only in him now, looking at Jesus. Ephesians chapter 4, 22 and 24 says, put off the old man. I consider Fred dead. In fact, Paul kept on saying, it wasn't me who did it. Fred did it. Sin was the one who did it, not me. I'm in Christ. Put off the old man and put on the new. So I've got to put this on, but the next line says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. It's in the spirit, in him that we are transformed and renewed, not in our carnal mind, because the Bible says his mind is dead and cannot even receive spiritual things. 
And that's why so many of the world, they think we're foolish coming to church on a Sunday, don't they? That's right. Oh, can we just for a minute celebrate being alive? I'm in Him. And so thank you, Jesus. I'm in Him. Uh, I'm a new creation. I consider my humanity side of me dead. So when it rises up, I say, hey, Fred, you're dead. When I want to do something I shouldn't be doing, Fred, you're dead. I live in him. I'm now a new man. God is not working on the old man. He's not trying to revive Fred. He's not trying to bring him back to life. He's working on me in the new man. He's working on my new character. You know, the Bible says that we are transformed or transferred out of darkness, that realm, into his son, his kingdom, into him. Because he's only working on this new man. God loves me so much. Not because of what I do. No. Or don't do. He loves me because he is love. He loves you not because of what you did do or didn't do. He loves you not because you're dozing off or not dozing off. God's not loving you because of what you do or don't do. He loves you because he is love. And you're in him. And he loves you so very much. I mess up on a regular basis. Don't ask Claire. She'll tell you. She knows. I mess up. And every time I mess up, I have to think of those words that Jesus said. You see, Jesus taught everything from a different perspective. He dealt with everything from a kingdom perspective. He he, he was weird, Jesus was. He said, you increase by decreasing. Jesus said, you live by dying. Everything was different with Jesus, wasn't it? So when I mess up, I think, well, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And I found this verse, and I just want to show you, and this is where I'll end. Maybe, maybe not. You see, that was Fred lying to you. I'm not going to end. I have no intention of end. I intend to go for another 30 minutes. So just settle in and get used to this. Fred, stop lying. That's what you do to Fred. If you make a mistake and you lie, you say, correction. That's not quite true. I'm not going to speak like that. I'm in him. And you see, this verse helped me so much. Lamentations 3.22. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh and new every single morning. So do you know what I did this morning? I woke up and said, hello, Lord Jesus, I'm here. And he said, come on, give me a hug. And I gave him a big hug. And he didn't even remember what Fred was doing. He said, Fred is taken care of. Fred's on the cross. The sins are all paid for. It's all about me. He's not trying to fix me. It's new every morning. So you screwed up yesterday. So what? So did the rest of us. They're just lying. They did. Yeah, even you in the back. Yeah, yeah. And so what do you do? You come fresh in the morning and say, Lord, thank you for a new start. Yesterday's behind me. When you start running, you say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I did this. He says, what are you talking about? I forgave you. I can't even remember what you're talking about. Stop it. I don't want to hear it. I'm working on the new you. Don't have to bring in the stress from the previous day. This is called stress-free living. Every day, start again fresh. Oh, are you prepared to put on this new lens? Because, you see, God is only working on this new man. If, if we're in Jesus, we're in Christ, right? Then Jesus is talking to us. What do you think he's saying? What is he talking to you about? Do you think he's talking to you about what you did wrong? Or what he'd like you to be? I think 
He's talking to me about love. He's not talking to me about my fear. I think he's talking to me about wisdom. He's not talking to me about confusion. You see, that is all nailed to the cross. Sorted. I don't need to worry about that. You know, we were talking about Peter and how he gets this vision and his eyes are open. But can I just backtrack a couple of chapters? I seem to remember where Jesus said to Peter, he says, Peter, you are going to deny me three times. And Peter says, no, not me. You got the wrong guy. Not me. I'm not going to do that. And then when they arrest Jesus, they take Jesus off to Pilate, and Peter's standing out in the outer court, warming himself by the fire, and the Romans say, aren't you one of these Jesus guys? And he starts to deny Jesus three times. Peter, if you say, Fred, denied Jesus three times. Oh, that's it. So even Peter, Peter messed up. Anyhow, Jesus now get, rises from the dead and he's every, he actually appears to the disciples and Peter's standing in the background. I read it. There's no, there's no transcript between Peter and Jesus. He's hiding away, trying to man, not maintain eye contact, stay away. Why? He's, he's ashamed of the sin that he had. Anyhow, Peter gets discouraged. He says, I'm going fishing. Goes in, a couple of them get into the boat and off they go fishing. They fish all night and they catch nothing. And in the morning, there's Jesus on the side of the shore. And Jesus is making them breakfast. And Jesus says, hey, Peter, can I talk to you? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. That's where it gets messy. Have you read that account where Jesus confronts Peter about denial? He doesn't. There's not one verse. Peter never gets rebuked about his denial. Jesus says, do you love me, Peter? He says, yes, I do. He says, feed my sheep. Well, are you sure you love me? Yes, Jesus, I love you. He says, feed my sheep. Jesus is working on the new man. He never addressed the old man. It was covered by his blood. Jesus is only working on your new man. He's not working on your old man. Somebody say amen, please. It's not about sin or behavior modification. It's about the power of God and grace enabling you to be all that you're created to be. God is not seeing what is wrong with you. He only sees what's missing inside you. So he's working what's missing, not what's wrong. Oh, I'm messing with someone's head here. Put on your new lenses, guys. Are you prepared to unlearn some of the old traditional thinking? And put on new lenses and see the love of Jesus this morning. What is Jesus talking to you about? What dream, what vision has he put inside you? Just like Peter. God's plan for Peter was so much bigger than he thought. When that vision came down on eat and have a barbecue and he said no. It wasn't just so that Cornelius could get saved. God had such a bigger plan. His plan was that all Gentiles will get saved. And Peter says I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Everybody can come. So for the last 2,000 years, thousands and millions of Gentiles, Jews and non-Jews can get saved. You and me included. Why? Because one man put on new lenses. What's the dream that God's got inside of you? I'm telling you, it's bigger than you. It's for somebody else too. Oh, God's got a dream for you so much bigger than what you're thinking. Don't use your old lenses and limit God. You know, I've heard it said many times that the Holy Spirit is given to us by measure and we don't have the same measure as what uh, Jesus had. Well, can I just say that when people say that, they're reading the Bible with the wrong lenses because that does not exist in the Bible. That is a traditional view that is not true. 
In fact, I looked it up. Let me read it to you. John 3.34 For God does not give the spirit by measure. What did you read? God gives the spirit by measure? It says not by measure. He's no respecter of persons. The Holy Spirit is not some power that he apportions to you that he puts on a normal person to become a superman or a superwoman. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's not a fraction that you divide up. The Holy Spirit is not given by measure. He's given fully. Let me show you how wrong my thinking was when I used to quote this. If I'm in Jesus and Jesus is on me and Jesus had the full Holy Spirit, then what Holy Spirit's inside me? What happened to him? Did he get cut into pieces and divided? I'm in him. The full Holy Spirit. And how wrong would it be of Jesus to say, you're going to do even greater miracles. And we know that Jesus did miracles by the power of the Holy Spirit. So how could he dare say that we're going to do greater things with lesser Holy Spirit? Can you see how we've just put on these wrong sunglasses and we're reading nothing? You're reading what's not there instead of what is there. Why did you get that verse and say, God doesn't give anything by measure. He gives it to me full. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I'll take you the whole lot of you. God loves you. Do you know why? Look at this. I'm in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. God the Father loves you and you and you and you and you and me as much as he loves Jesus. God the Father, almighty God, Loves me the same way and the same amount as Jesus. And he said, I'm going to ask the Father to send the comfort to the Holy Spirit. And he won't send by measure. He loves me just as much. Stop thinking of yourself so small. God loves you. But Wayne, if I get big on the inside and I become this radical person and and I start to think big, and I start to get quite uh, uh, big in Christ. Won't I step over the line? Won't I move from faith into presumption? Will I cross that line? Yeah, let's think about this. David decided to fight Goliath, didn't he? Was it written in the Bible anywhere that you're allowed to fight giants with a slingshot? He overstepped the mark. He overstepped the line. Guess what Jesus did? He just redrew another line over there. It's not faced. You know, remember the woman with the issue of blood? She broke every rule in the book trying to get to Jesus. Nowhere was it written in their Bible type stuff where you could crawl through a crowd and touch Jesus' garment and you would be healed. Nowhere. She operating presumption. She actually stretched herself. And guess what Jesus did? He just read you the line and healing came. Isn't that amazing? What about Paul, Apostle Paul? He starts praying for handkerchiefs and aprons, sends them around, and people get healed. Holy Spirit, what are you thinking? Surely he's overstepped the mark and gone into presumption on this one. Surely he's... He, he. And what did Jesus do? He just redrew the line out there further. Hang on a minute. Let me just think about this. Our religious tradition would rather that we sit here and do nothing. We're happy with that. Doing nothing. I will wait until I hear the perfect word of the Lord. And so I'll do nothing. 
I'm more happy with that than taking a step of faith for Jesus. I'm saying Jesus is inside of you. saying, you're in me, growing inside of me. Come on, you can do it. He's not one scared, what, <gasps> what if Wayne does this? He's not freaked out about it. Jesus himself overstepped the mark. Wayne, that's sacrilege. I'm going to listen to me. Someone wants to get blind, wants to get healed. And Jesus spits on the ground. Gross. And he makes mud with spit. Can you imagine the Holy Spirit saying, Jesus, what do you, want, you want me to bless that? How do I touch spit? Jesus, you've overstepped the line. It wasn't written anywhere you can heal people with spit. But guess what? The Holy Spirit's not scared of your spit. You are not going to get the Holy Spirit rattled. God's not up saying, upstairs in the heaven saying, Oh, I wonder what Wayne's going to say next. Wayne, keep calm. Don't push it, boy. Steady on. He's not going to say that. He's saying, come on. Okay, okay, let's go back to Peter. He sees Jesus. The storm is raging and the boat is being tossed to and fro. And he says, Jesus, I'm going to come. Can I come? So Jesus, well, if you want to come, come. And he gets out of the boat and starts walking on the water. Peter's walking on water. Where is it written in the Bible? You're allowed to walk on water. Where was the word of the Lord? Thou wast, mayest, walketh on water. It's not in there. He starts walking on water. And guess what happens? He starts to look at circumstances, so he changes his thinking, so he changes what he says. He saw the storm, he thought, I'm drowning! So he said, I'm drowning! He said the first thing in his head, I'm drowning, save me! Because he took his eyes off of Jesus. Finally, someone who actually moves in presumption and crosses the line, Peter. Well done, Peter. He has a good example to study. So Jesus has to come in on the scene to save him because he's drowning. Because he's moved across the line. What did Jesus do? Did he whistle? Hey, boys, bring the boat. We're not allowed to walk on water. Get in the boat, Peter. No, he didn't. Do you know what Jesus did? Stretched out his hand. He says, if you're going to walk across the other side of that line, come walk with me. And Jesus and Peter walked on water. I can imagine Peter, his chest out, I'm walking with Jesus on the water. He wasn't worried. He knew the power of God was bigger. Jesus isn't rattled at your faith. You're in him. Oh, but Wayne, I read somewhere where Jesus then rebuked Peter. No, you see, you're reading with the wrong lenses. Let me tell you what it says. Jesus said to Peter, O ye of little faith. And actually it says in the Greek, O ye of little duration and bursts of faith. What was Jesus saying? Had you continued to believe, if your faith didn't stop and start and be unsettled like this, you'd have carried on walking to the other side of the river or the the lake. He wasn't rebuked for believing and being in Christ. And saying, do you know what? Who lives on the inside of me? And I live on the inside of him. Hallelujah! In him we move and walk on water. I mean, walk and have our being. In him, you can get grades in university that no one else can get. In him, you can get the job that no one else can get. In him, you can get the healing that no one else is getting. 
in Him. You can have grandkids that love the Lord and serve the, God, the Lord all the days of their life and will not depart from it. In Him. In Him. I'm trading my sorrow and I'm taking His joy. I'm trading my sadness and I'm taking His happiness and His joy. I'm trading my sickness and I'm taking my healing. Oh man, I see a party coming on. Jesus stretched out his hand and says, Come on, walk with me. God is wanting total dependence on him. He wants priority. He wants presence. I thought presence was when we come to church. Put your hands out like this. And then if there's really strong presence, you'll notice your fingers start to curl. And then your knees bend. And then you grimace. I can feel it. No, you look constipated. No. Presence simply means you're in his face. He's nearby you. Presence isn't on a Sunday morning only. You're supposed to have presence on Monday morning. On the bus morning. On the train morning. In the car morning. Jesus, what do you think about this? Holy Spirit, do you think I should do this? That's presence. That's putting Him first in your life. We need to go back to being kids and have a secret friend that we talk to. An imaginary friend. Except He's not that imaginary. He's pretty real. Amen. Do what God says? I want you to walk off grid. He says to Abram, I want you to go where no one has been. And I'm going to show you where to go. <laughs> Are you kidding me? You want me to leave and go somewhere where I don't know where to go? Yeah? How do you go where you don't know where to go? You see, here's a revelation for somebody. You don't need to know everything. Write that down. You do not need to know everything. Especially when you're walking with someone who sees everything and knows everything. Because my hand is in his hand. So I don't care where we're going. I'm just following him. I do not need to know everything. Well, Wayne, can you explain to me why they got the healing? I don't know and I don't care. I tell you what, when you get to heaven, ask him yourself. I'm walking with him. I can't explain everything. It's not my job too. I don't need to know everything. As long as I'm walking and I'm in the presence of somebody who sees everything. Claire and I had to go on a holiday, had to go on a holiday, and we went up to Scotland, and I, I, I just grabbed Google Maps, put it on my phone, and go there. I don't know where I was going, and I didn't need to know, because I was with Google. <laughs> and Google was taking me by the hand, step by step. Turn right, Wayne, I turned right. And guess what Google did? Google can actually see the future. Google's amazing. It actually knew that there was going to be an accident in Scotland on that road and told me this road now and told me to turn left now to avoid the accident because it got a shorter route to bypass the accident. I like Google Maps. And they got the idea from Jesus. You see, Deuteronomy 31 verse 8 says this. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. God is in your future. 
He's seen the future. He's seen the accident. He's seen the problem. He's already been there. Then he comes all the way back. He says, come Wayne, hold my hand. You're going to walk with me. I know the route. Turn left, so I turn left. Turn right, turn right. Stop, go, stop, go. And I do exactly what he says. As long as I'm walking in his presence, I'm okay. I don't need to know everything. I don't need to go past the accident ever. Look, ooh, look at that. I don't need to see that. I don't need to know everything. Why? I'm working, walking with someone who does. Oh, does that make sense to you? Didn't he say in Isaiah 45 too? He will straighten crooked, crooked paths. And if there's a big gate in front of that stopping, he'll actually break it and destroy the gate so that you can go through. Oh, how big is God in front of you? He doesn't want you to be average. He wants you to be outrageous. You cannot be in Jesus and be average. Because Jesus isn't average. He healed everyone. Every time he touched a dead man, they raised from the dead. He fed 5,000. I'm in him. I ain't average. I'm a new creation. In him. The steps of a good man. These are conditioned. The steps of a good man. Mark 10, 18 says there's none good except God. That's why I'm in him. Because if I'm in him and he's in me, then I'm good. So it's my steps who are ordered by the Lord. Why? I'm in relationship with Him. Jesus, where are we going today? Can you be outrageous for Jesus? Somebody say amen. Please don't leave me out hanging here all by myself. Claire, are you going to come with me? Yes, you with me. The Bible says in this world you will have tribulation. But I have overcome the world. I'm in him. And Jesus said, I have overcome the world. So that means he's going to overcome. When you're in Jesus, he has a revelation for you. So are your circumstances in him. He's seeing the future. He's walking with you now. James says this, and I don't like this verse. It's one verse in the Bible I don't really like. <laughs> Consider pure joy, brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that it's going to test your faith and produces patience and endurance. But let patience finish its work. Hang on a minute, I like this part. That you may be perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. You see, Fred starts to cry and mope. Oh, I've got a problem, I don't know what to do. I don't. Why? I'm in him. Yes, I've got challenges. I'm not saying you're going to have challenges. The Bible says you're going to have challenges. But I'm walking with a guy who's already been in at the other end of the challenge. And he's fixed the problem. He knows the solution. He's coming and says, come with me, Wayne. I love it when he sorts a problem. The problem just disappears. Oh, I love that. But you see, God's not a slot machine. Normally, he's working on our character and says, do you not want to work out a little bit with me? Come with me. We're going to do this together. And when you get the other side, you're going to be stronger and better. Are you prepared to count to joy? Oh, we should. Oh, we've got such a wrong lens. We've got such a wrong lens. You see, we have the victim mentality like Fred. Why me? Why is God allowing me to have this? 
And so he starts moping and crying. Graham Cook, I'll blame him, make sure he gets the blame. Graham Cook says, whining and complaining is the worship language of hell. Joy, the Bible says, rejoice in the Lord. And again I say rejoice. And rejoice again. Not moan and complain. Rejoice. Consider pure joy when you encounter this. In everything, give thanks to the Lord. If you crash your car, you're not saying, thank you, Lord, I crashed my car. That's stupid. You say, Lord, thank you that even in a car crash, you're still with me. And I'm still okay. And you're still not going to leave me. And I thank you now that you've got a better car for me. If the devil wants to rob me of this one, I'll just get another one. What's the problem? I'm in him. God is saying, come, Wayne, stretching out his hand, come, walk with me. Walk with me. When you face a challenge, and you're going to face one, or you could rise up as a child in the kingdom in, in Jesus, and you say, Lord, what are you doing with this situation? What are you up to? Is there something you want me to learn here? Would you like me to walk on water? How should I react to this situation? What do you say about this? Instead of us getting in the morbs and, why is Jesus doing this? Ask him. He's already been in the future. He's seen the solution. Ask him, say, because I'm in his presence. Holy Spirit, what are you doing? Is there something? Now listen, he didn't send it. Don't get it wrong. Don't get into religion again. It's not God. It's the devil. It's a thief that comes to kill and destroy. He's come to give us life. And the Bible says he can turn all situations around for our good. So when the devil comes with a problem to destroy you, Jesus comes and says, I'll tell you what. Let's turn this on him. And we'll come over the other side stronger. Some of us go to the gym. I won't mention any names, but it's him. And he goes to the gym and he, and, and he works out like this and he, he builds his muscles. Why? Because he wants to go to competition and he wants to win. You see, when you go into training, it develops our spiritual muscles. And sometimes we're travailing in prayer and we're praying and praying and praying and praying and you're not getting the answer instantaneously. It's building your strength. It's not that God doesn't want you to have it. He's building your strength so that you can go and win the battle. You can win and get the trophy. Is that right? Yeah. When you're in Him, you've got to change the way you talk and think. Put on new lenses. You say things like this. This situation I'm in is making me amazing. What incredible breakthrough I'm going to have when I get the solution to this. I wonder what God's doing in me. This is awesome. I can't wait to see the finished product. I'm going to be complete and perfect and lacking nothing. Bring it on. Hey, are there any more problems I can have? Why? Because I want to be perfect, complete and lacking nothing. I'm not worried because I'm walking with the guy who knows the problem. He knows the solution out there. And I'm walking with him. Is anything too hard for our God? Jeremiah 32 says, and 18, Genesis 18 says, is anything. Some of us are facing storms. And I'll conclude with this. You are facing a storm. Do you know what you should do? Kingdom people do. You're in a storm. Hold on to that rudder. Because on the other side, there's completeness. There's perfection. There's nothing lacking on the other side. 
and use the momentum of the storm to propel you to the other side. Are you prepared to use the momentum of the storm to produce and push you to the other side? Or are you going to allow the storm to sink you and shipwreck your faith? No, press on. Go to the other side. He's the God of pre-planned provision. Wayne, I don't feel ready. Well, don't worry about it. God's not bothered about that. You're not being ready. He's just inviting you. He says, come, walk with me. Come in me. Walk with me. Learn from God to be relational, not functional. Don't just want stuff, but say, I want to get to know you. In this world and in this life, it's not going to get easier. I can promise you it's going to get harder. But in the kingdom, we get better. We keep getting better and better. Why? We change from glory to glory to glory to glory. Does it make sense? Have any of you ever lost your phone or your keys? Because I always have my phone on me. It's always in your bus. And you got your, have you ever lost it? And you, oh, doesn't Jesus say, I'll always be with you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. It's, it's like losing your keys or your, wherever I put it. I know it's around here somewhere. Where are the keys? Sometimes you, you've been walking along life and you're doing the day and suddenly you realize, I'm not with Jesus. Jesus? Jesus? It's like going to a coffee shop. And you open the door and the coffee shop is packed of people. Every table is full. And you know he's in there. So you start to scan. And you look around the room. Is that right? And they are right at the back. And you see Jesus and the Holy Spirit waiting for you. And they wave. And you say, I knew you were here. And you wave too. And then it's amazing. We all get the gift of sign language. I'm just going to go get a coffee. Do you want a coffee? I'm paying. I'll, I'll go get a coffee and then I'll come and join you. <laughs> Is that right? And so we go get our coffee and we come to the table. And we say, Jesus, Holy Spirit, my goodness, what a day I've had. I'm going through hell at the moment. It's fantastic. What are you guys up to? Where are we going with this? I can't wait to see the solution. I left work because I got retrenched and I got out to the car park and someone had reversed into my car. And while I was in the car, the wife phones me and said, the house is burnt down. What a day. This is fantastic. Why? Because you're going to complete me. You're going to perfect me. You're taking me to the other side because you've already seen the solution. Give me a high five. Are you prepared to see Jesus in a new light? New lenses. Some of you need to open up your phones and get Google out. You need to get Jesus on the line. Where to now? Where to now? Just bow your heads for a moment. And we, only, we always look at things of what I'm missing, not what I'm getting. Are you prepared to ask Jesus this morning for some new lenses?